by Didier Drogba. Yes, the greatest night in Chelsea's history. Champions of Europe at last. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SW6 Daily Podcast. Today's episode is an absolutely immense one because as far as I'm concerned, it can't be any more well-rounded than my guest today because, I mean, a lot of people on the platform knowing as the guy that brings up the most reliable source, like, he is the most reliable source for Chelsea news and rumours on Twitter because he's always posting updates about Chelsea. But aside from that, he's also a journalist who consistently delivers excellent pieces for people like Talk Chelsea and Chelsea News, amongst many others. As a Twitter account, his opinions and takes show that he's a very smart individual with top tier, indiv- like top tier opinions. Like I rarely disagree with Simon on the platform, but I just want to officially welcome Simon Phillips onto the SW6 Daily Podcast. Simon, how are you doing? I mean, that that's an amazing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And yes, I'm pleased to be here finally. (laughs) Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So I'm just going to jump straight in with uh, the question that everybody's asking, man. How is coronavirus treating you? Um, Obviously, in the UK, it's 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 the um, the epicenter of Europe. I think that's the official term for it now. Um, So it's it's gone mad here. It really has, and. my personal opinion is that we should have locked down a lot sooner than what we did, but yeah. you know it, it is what it is, and um, you know times are moving on, and hopefully you know we've got past the peak now, and and we can we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully we can get some football back. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean to be fair, because like I uh, unfortunately I'm still out of the UK, and like everybody here, everyone else seems to be adjusting correctly. Obviously, there's football coming back to Germany. And like countries are allowing people to move around more freely now, like in Spain, China seems to be completely done with the whole thing. But hopefully, um, we, I mean, as at the time of recording, Boris hasn't really said anything about the lockdown, but hopefully they handle the thing properly and uh, yeah, we'll be able to keep moving properly. So speaking of all of this, now a lot of people are actually very curious to know about some of the transfers that are going on because obviously it's Simon Phillips. Come on, come on. So yeah. people are trying to ask, so for starters, I'm going to be asking you about the Chilwell rumours from the last 24 hours because a lot of news like are there any legs to this rumor like people i'm seeing people like um who sky sports sky sports bbc reporting news about um ben chilwell but then are there actually any legs to this and were there ever any legs to the ix tears rumor that came up before um so the chilwell rumors from today and yesterday that you're referring to they 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 literally they they came from a spanish site called um todo fichage I can't pronounce it, but that's the site they came from. So nobody has ever heard of this site before. It's, it's, kind, of like a, it's kind of like a new source, and they put out a few stories in the last couple of weeks, and none of them have really had any legs. So basically, in terms of Chilwell, no, Chelsea are not um, in negotiations at the minute, but he's, he's, he still remains um, one of Frank Lampard's main targets. But there's definitely no negotiations started as we speak. Mm, mm. So with this, uh, so that means you're basically saying we should disregard the news because I mean, last I heard as well, Chelsea were still in talks with Ajax, uh, with Ajax Tears. So is that still a thing at the moment? Yeah. So Lampard has um, quite a few options for left back. He's not going gun ho on, on one particular target. So 
Chilwell is obviously his main target. That's who he really wants to bring in. But um, Lampard still isn't clear on the current climate and how much he can spend, um, you know, what he's got available, the resources he's got available to spend. He might have to think different. And Tellez is definitely an option. Um, obviously, he's got his buyout clause, which is under 40 million, actually under 35 million, which is really cheap. Um, so he's, yeah, he's got options. And it, there's not like one particular player that he's going for. I think Lampard is is waiting really on the board. Um, uh. They're waiting to see like the full extent of the, the effect from COVID-19. Um, and he's he's got to probably going to have to rearrange his priorities a little bit in terms mm. of how much he spends on each target that he wants. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's okay. very dependent on a lot of other things. But Tellez is definitely still a, um, a firm option for Chelsea um, and for mm. Lampard as well. Are there any other um, targets that uh, we don't really know about, the general public doesn't know about, that you're aware of, that um, Chelsea are currently going after? Um, yeah, um, so the, the guy from Atalanta, uh, Robin Gosens. Okay, okay. He's, he's definitely on the list. He's another player that they've looked at. Um, he's he's a good player. Like He's had a really good season in Serie A. Um, he's recently been converted from a cent- central midfielder to a left-back. And since then, uh, so many clubs have started taking a look at him and, and wanting to buy him. And he's definitely on, on Chelsea's shortlist. But other than that, I still think Lampard is is choosing between uh, Chilwell and Tellers. That's the, his main two options. Mm, mm. Fair enough. And also, like you also mentioned as well, like the club are waiting to see um, what happens with the coronavirus. But do you really think that the virus has massively affected Chelsea's spending power for the next uh, transfer window? I don't think it will massively affect it, but I think that it will. Um, have implications on some of the choices that Lampard will have to make. Um, so, for example, I mean, we're probably going to get onto the Mertens story in a minute, but I think Lampard is looking at players like that, like Mertens, who he can get for absolutely nothing, um, yeah. rather than spending forty million on uh, Musa Dembele, for example, um, who they they're obviously massively rumored to buy in in January. So, I think. I don't think, yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think it's going to massively affect Lampard's plans, but he, he's definitely going to have to have a little look um, and maybe try and uh, think of alternatives, cheaper alternatives in some areas on the pitch anyway. Mm, mm. Fair enough. So, based on what you've just said then, obviously Mertens as well is a player that um, Chelsea have been looking at recently. There were reports that we were interested back in... Uh, back in January, but now they've come up again. And I believe there are also some legs to that report, but Chelsea usually don't have a tradition of going for players that are in their 30s. So do you think the Chelsea, that our transfer policy has to change during this period in order to accommodate like all these issues with the coronavirus? And do you think they'd be able to back Lampard fully? So are you saying that he has to change what he wants in order to work properly with the board for this, for this transfer window? I think there's going to have to be more balance between the two of them. So the, the board are willing to back Frank Lampard 100%. And Lampard, mm. Lampard was the, the key um, focal point behind the pursuit of Dries Mertens in January. He was the one that wanted him. Um, so he wants him again now. So the board are obviously going to back what Lampard want to a certain extent. I mean, Lampard can't turn around and you know say, get me five world-class players because that's just not going to happen. Mm. Um, but in terms of um, players like Mertens, Lamp- he he is a Lampard signing. If he comes, that's that's down to Lampard. That's not the board. 
Um, obviously, like you said about the over 30s policy, it's going to be different for the board. I, I don't know what kind of contract they're thinking of offering Mertens, but it's probably going to be two years at least. Um, so that's driven by Lampard. Lampard is the one who wants Mertens. And I think that probably is because he puts his full trust in Tammy Abraham and he doesn't want anyone mm. to come in and, and kind of hinder his progress and take his, his game time away from him. Oh, respectable, respectable. That's fair enough, man, fair enough. So before we move on to uh, action, football returning back in terms of like the Bundesliga and the Premier League, I'm not going to ask you one last question. The one that's been bouncing off the lips of the Chelsea people for the past few weeks, you know. Obviously, I've seen rumours like Havertz, Kai Havertz, obviously Jason San- Jaden Sancho. Did I just say Jason Sancho? Jaden <laughs> Sancho has been one that has been going on for the longest time. So, are they still legs to those massive transfers? And also the Coutinho news that came out, those three players, Kai Havertz, um, Felipe Coutinho and Jadon Sancho, are they legs to any of these deals? So, Coutinho, I know for a fact that um, probably about two months ago, Chelsea um, inquired about his availability and um, Lampard, again, spearheaded that inquiry. Um, Lampard mm. wanted the board to push on and ask about Coutinho. They only want him on loan. They don't want to buy him um, mm. for 60, 70 million. They're not interested in that. They only want to loan him. And Barcelona want to sell him. So if Barcelona don't sell him, um, they want to loan him and put um, an option, no, sorry, an obligation to buy in his contract. So Chelsea mm. can loan him, but they have to buy him at the end of it. But there's definite interest in Coutinho, um, but only only on a loan. Lampard, Lampard or Chelsea won't pay for him. Um, because it's mm. too big of a risk, but but you know on, on a loan deal there's no risk. It's 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 quite a simple transfer to do, um, but they don't want that obligation to buy in there. Whereas Barcelona want there to be the obligation. That's where it stops. So I mean the last couple of weeks you've not really heard much about Coutinho, and that's probably why it's yeah. the negotiations are stalled. Um, so Chelsea aren't going to buy him. Um, Jadon Sancho. Yeah, I mean he's he's wanted by a lot of clubs, not just Chelsea and Manchester United. There's a lot of clubs that are after him, but he's very focused on. Um, he wants Champions League football. I know there's been a few reports. Mm. About, you know, he's demanding high wages and stuff, and, and that definitely has a, a factor in his decision. But the main thing he wants is to play Champions League football next season. So, obviously, nobody can guarantee that at the moment because we don't even know if we're going to finish the season or what's going yeah. to happen. Um, hopefully, we'll find out more on that in the next few days. But. Sancho isn't going to make his mind up on on where his future lies until all of that's done. So until the end of the season, basically. Um, mm. but yeah, I mean Chelsea, Chelsea are interested. They're definitely they've registered their interest to Dortmund. They Dortmund know of their interest. Um, but yeah, I mean don't expect to hear anything um, concrete on that until yeah until well well into the end of the season. Um, mm. uh, Kai Havertz, I I think that's just whispers to be honest. There's nothing solid in that. Lord, Lord, that's the one. Is that the one? I mean, that was the one that I was like, averted, you know, because I love him. Well, you know what? It's all yeah. good. I believe Frank does what, do what's best for the club. So, speaking of Avert, speaking of Coutinho, speaking of Sancho, all these lot play in the Bundesliga at the moment. So, I want to ask you, Simon, what are your thoughts on the Bundesliga returning like fully? Like, are you excited about this? Because obviously, we haven't seen anybody kick a ball on the screen or at a stadium in the longest time. But what are your 
thoughts on the Bundesliga returning? Because obviously they're faring off a lot better than the UK and everyone else in terms of uh, handling the coronavirus. So what do you think of this um, return? I mean, in a in a selfish respect, I'm absolutely buzzing just to see <laughs> live again. You know, like I mean, there was talk that that BT Sport are going to offer it up for free, so you don't even have, even have to have a subscription to watch it. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I don't I don't know whether that's confirmed or not, but hopefully that that goes through and we can all start watching football again. And like from a Chelsea perspective, you've got um, Ethan Ampadu. I know he hasn't really been getting much game time with uh, Lee yeah. Club, but I mean, we might see him play. Um, we're going to get to see more of uh, Jaden Sancho, um, uh, Timo Werner, who's also, you know, reported to be a Chelsea target. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely I'm really excited. I mean, next Saturday, I think that they're they're going to play. That's the first game back. No, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing to watch football again. I hope it's safe. I really do. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope, like, Molly concerned is going to just... Can you just imagine commentators getting gassed up when someone scores a goal with yeah. no atmosphere in the crowd? It's going to be absolutely all over. I can't even begin to imagine them faking the energy. Yeah, it's going to be it, interesting. Be so weird, it will. But it's, it's something we're going to have to get used to. If we want football back, then these, you know, we're just going to have to get used to that. And so will the players. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. So, I mean, now that Germany is doing that, everybody... Because um, I'm one of the people as well that feels like football coming back now is not the, necessarily the best idea in the UK. But uh, with all the talks that are going around, and we haven't really heard what Boris has to say about um, anything yet in terms of easing the lockdown. But how do you think the league resuming now with all the COVID and everything is still spreading around and the NHS still under pressure? Do you think that, uh, how do you think it's going to affect football in the long term? And what are your thoughts on like the whole situation in terms of uh, the Premier League coming back? So I think um, at the at the minute, people you know people's judgment is very clouded on the current situation. So I mean, we're still seeing over six hundred deaths a day coming in in the UK yeah. from COVID nineteen. So at the minute, the last people want to want to hear about is football coming back. But if you think about what they're trying to do, I mean, the eighth of June is is the first fixture that they want to play in 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 the UK for the Premier League. That's yeah. four, that's four weeks away. So. It's going to come down drastically in four weeks. So you've got to put your mind forward four weeks and think, you know, in that time, it's going to be a lot safer. Um, we're going to be even even further past the peak, you know, on, on the road to recovery. Um, but, it, it, yeah, I mean, it all depends on a lot of things. I, got, I saw something yesterday that they're going to, they're going to test players um, for COVID-19 and they're going to get the results back quicker than key workers will, which to me is just ridiculous. Mental. Yeah. It really is. And, and there's a... There's a lot of um, ulterior motives for clubs, like the um, the bottom six clubs are the only teams who have um, who are against restarting the league now. I mean, to me, that's obvious why they they don't want to yeah. get relegated. <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's silly. What they need to do is put safety at the forefront of all of their decisions, rather than relegation. Um, who's going to get the title? Like, there's certain people out there who you know don't want to see Liverpool crown champions which is just yeah. stupid it really is like they've deserved it to be honest they're so far ahead of anyone else they've deserved it yeah. and and i think yeah people's judgments are, are clouded but all, all for me i just want it to be i want to see evidence that it's going to be safe um and that it's going to be doable before anything is accepted and i think that's yeah i, th I still think we've got a long way to go yet before it is accepted by the government 
Yeah, we probably do. But like, I want to ask as well, because I've seen some ridiculous reports about people saying that um, the players will probably have to wear all sorts of things during training and everything. Because I keep telling a lot of people, I mean, yeah, football could return. And these players are young. I mean, look at Callum, see how quickly he recovered from the virus. My man yeah. recovered in what, less than 24 hours? Yeah, That's right. I think absolutely. Meant. I know, but yeah, it was very quick. But there are a lot of older people involved as well, like managers in their 60s or yeah. staff in their 60s as well. So I want to ask, do you are you aware of any safety measures that the teams are good looking to take, especially Chelsea? Because obviously, this is a Chelsea podcast. I'm just trying to find out, are there any measures yeah. that we're all trying to take to be able to prevent the spread of the virus during this period and take care of all the workers? So, so Chelsea have gone back to training, but... Um... It's only a few players at a time. So any player that lives close to Stamford Bridge who can get there within, you know, like a run or a cycle, then they've come, they've gone back to, to sorry, not Stamford Bridge, they've gone back to Cobham. Um, yeah. And they're training individually, like well away from each other, socially distancing. Um, so that's started. But Chelsea are literally waiting um, for the advice from the league and from the government on exactly what they have to do to, to be safe um, and to be compliant. Um, mm. that, that's the biggest thing. So Chelsea don't know at the moment what they need to do because there's been no mm. clear instructions because it ha- literally hasn't been agreed yet um, by the government, yeah. which is what they're waiting for. But I think once they need guidelines and once the guidelines come in, um, obviously we'll know exactly what they need to do. And, and they're ready, they're prepared, they've got all the, the PPE equipment, all of that is has already been ordered in um, and it's ready to go. Um, for you know when they increase the training, which is supposed to be around the 18th of May, I think. Yeah. Um, which is when they're going to do full group training. But I mean, like a lot of people said, like how do you socially distance when you're training? It is impossible. Um, Imagine, you can't yeah. do it at the end of the day. So you can take precautions. They're going to have to do temperature testing, um, COVID-19 testing. Um, the whole thing about wearing masks in training, I'm not sure if that's going to be feasible or if, or if that's going to be enforced yeah, no. by the government or not. If it is, again, I cannot see that being done. because no, It needs to be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, especially when the temperatures are warming up in this country now. There's no way you can train and, and try and breathe with a mask on. It's just impossible. Um, mm. But, yeah, like I said, that Chelsea are awaiting the, the guidance from the government and the league. Um, to, to be going forward and, and know exactly what they've got to put in place. But they're ready. They're absolutely ready to do it. Mm, mm. But, I mean, with that being said as well, this is not necessarily more on COVID. It's more on... I mean, because obviously the virus affects this massively. But as you said, it's looking to resume on the 8th of June, correct? Yes. So if it resumed on the 8th of June, do you think they'd be able to get all those games done by July? And that's not even my main question. The main question is, what happens to players like uh, Pedro, William that are going out of contract during this period? So are we going to have players that are just going to have to leave halfway through this uh, sort of rushed end to the season? Are we going to have players like Ziyech coming in to play for us? What's going to happen? Because obviously Ajax have already, I mean, that the uh, Eredivisie, I think that's what it's called, have yeah. been closed, has been closed already. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Ajax, I mean, um, CH is basically a Chelsea player officially at this point. So yeah. what happens with uh, players like them? So what's going to happen with them? Are they going to be eligible to play? Or William and Pedro going to be heading off? Or what's going to happen with them? So um, the contracts, uh, William and Pedro, um, their contracts end at the end of June. Um, and Willie Caballero and a few others, actually. So at the end of June, uh, technically they are free agents, but 
there's the league have put in place um, a the option for clubs to temporarily extend their contracts to see it through to the end of the season. Um, mm. But that that is not legally binding. So if, if Pedro or William decided that they didn't want to do that, they don't have to. So they, mm. could, they could just leave if they wanted to at the end of June when their contracts are up because it's not a legally binding um, thing. So, But I think no player is going to do that, that they're going to stay. Like, yeah. Pedro, Pedro and William, they've been here a long time. Um, players like that, they're not they're not going to run out um, at the end of June. They're going to stay and they're going to finish the season, which is probably going to go um, to the end of July. Um, yeah. And they're going to see it through, but they don't have to. That's the point. Like that's that's a scary thing. That it's just bizarre. But I mean, we you know it's bizarre times that we're living in. But um, yeah, yeah, but that. In terms of Ziyech, he he becomes a Chelsea player officially on the first of July, but he's Ooh. obviously he obviously he's not registered to play um, until next season by law. So there's no chance that we'll see Ziyech uh, playing for Chelsea this season. Mm, mm, fair enough. I mean, I can't imagine someone like William just saying, "Ah, you know what? I'm going to move to Tottenham." Because I mean, also so I'm going to throw in this William thing here as well. Like apparently we're not going to, he's not going to be signing new contracts at Chelsea. So, do you feel like William? Where do you think he's con- like currently looking at? Do you think he's going to go to Tottenham? Because apparently, what I've heard is that he doesn't necessarily love Chelsea. He just loves London as a place. So, what are your thoughts on that? So, William, I'll always respect William as a player, um, and I will respect his time at Chelsea. But at the end yeah. of the day, I mean that that whole Conte thing when he put an emoji yeah. on Conte's face. I mean. That to me has always stuck out in my mind. And William is happy when he's playing. If if he gets yeah. a manager that doesn't pick him every game, then he's you know he turns up he turns up with an attitude, and that doesn't sit well with me. Um, yeah. Yes, he's been a great servant. Yes, he's been harshly over criticised. Um, and yes, he has turned up on many occasions when we needed him. But he's also been inconsistent. Um, and I don't think he's as loyal as people think he is. I really don't. Yeah. And I think yeah. we'll see that by his next move. He's, he's definitely going to go, in my opinion, he's definitely going to go to either Arsenal or Tottenham. Probably Arsenal at the moment. That's looking more likely. Really? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I can see that happening straight away. I, I'm pretty sure that the agreement is in place already to, for him to join someone else. But they're not going to announce that now because he's still got games to play for Chelsea. So, yeah. But, but I think the minute he's allowed to leave, um, he will go. And he'll go to he'll go to Arsenal. Oh wow, that is I was not expecting to hear that because uh, a lot of people kept on saying that. Um, obviously, he wanted to go back and play for Mourinho. Tottenham is also in the in London yeah. as well. So, are you saying that's completely wrong and there's no chance of that happening, or this is just based off opinion strictly? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's my opinion that he'll join Arsenal, but. Um, mm-hmm. But but what I'm being told is he's definitely like you've just said he's definitely staying in London. So he's either going to Tottenham or Arsenal. Um, obviously, the links with Mourinho is what makes everyone start reporting that he's going to Tottenham. But I think he's got closer links to David Luiz. He owns um, he jointly owns a restaurant with Luiz in London. Mm. So I think he goes there. I really do. Oh that's, wow! That, that's an opinion. That's an opinion. That's not that's not based on something I know or I've heard, but. 
I mean, but it being Simon Phillips, I mean, I'm guessing... I mean, that's a well-informed opinion anyway, so... But nah, I didn't think about it like that at all. Because obviously, like, that's the easy thing to, to put out. Obviously, because he's tied to... Uh, has some types of Jose Mourinho that you'd expect him to sign up with Tottenham. Nobody would expect him to actually sign up with Arsenal. But let's see as it goes. And everyone listening, like he said, it's an opinion. It's not fact. I beg. I yeah. beg. Yeah. Okay. So, just to hop back on to the whole um, COVID-19 thing and the Premier League regiming as well, I want to ask you, so, I want to ask your thoughts on the all the rules that they're planning on implementing, such as the substitutions rule. I tried to read that up properly before this podcast was recorded, and I couldn't even understand the exact process for the live. They were just like, oh, five players on, if both teams do it at the exact same time, yada, yada, yada. So, can you give a bit more insight on that rule and any other thing I'm missing as well? But I want you to give um, us some of those things and also to give me your opinion on these things and how they massively affect football. Um, so, so the ruling has been accepted. Um, and, yeah, as you say, it is that the teams can make five substitutions rather than three. Um, throughout the 90 minutes. Um, I, I mean, I, I I don't really have an opinion on it, to be honest. I think mm. that it's, it's definitely going to help teams. Um, obviously, the, the issue now, and Frank Lampard has touched on it, is that, that teams are going to be coming back and hopefully playing in June. Um, and it's they need, Lampard has said, I need a pre-season, so he needs at least four weeks. But that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's four weeks yeah. from now and they've not even gone back to training yet. Not, not properly. Mm. Um, so they're not going to get four weeks. So you're going to get players injured a lot easier. Um, that, you know, and, and they're going to need that five substitutions. I think it's a rule that's been put in place um, because they have no other choice, really, um, is to protect players. So, for example, on, on a Chelsea sense, you've got players like um, Kante and Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic, who have all been struggling with injuries all season. Um it's going to affect them a lot more. Like they've got to come back in, they've got to play matches, and that's what gives you the injuries. Like you might feel cut, like totally fine going out training and doing short runs and doing sprints and things like that, but when it comes to actually playing a match, it's a totally different kind of fitness. So they're not going to know yeah. until they play that game whether they're going to be all right with it. So I think the five substitutions is literally put in place to to protect or help uh, clubs with injuries and also clubs that might you know have players that have tested positive for COVID-19. and mm, Yeah, unfortunately. But I also wanted to ask as well, with relation to that, that obviously helps them. But do you think that gives a disadvantage to cl- smaller clubs that don't really have as many top quality players on the bench? If that makes sense. Obviously, a club like Manchester City, if they had five substitutions to make, like the amount of the subs they would bring on, like literally the squad, it's like nothing changes. Yeah. Like, do you get what I mean? Or something yeah, like, yeah. But someone like Bournemouth or Nor, like they would be able to compete. So, do you think it's, yeah. it's a fair thing? Obviously, it does help because it helps with safety and it helps with like preventing injuries. But do you think it's fair across the board? Um, no, I mean, when when you look at it like that, I mean, Man, Man City could bring on a five a side team who are absolutely world class and. Someone like, um, I don't want to disrespect any teams, but someone like, <laughs> yeah, as you said, someone like Bournemouth um, can bring on a team who, uh, you know, possibly more academy players or unproven players. Yeah. And, it, and yeah, it definitely, it definitely would give the bigger clubs an, an advantage. But like I said, I don't think that the fact that they're forcing or the fact that they're, they're going to force teams to come back so soon without giving them that full pre-season... 
I don't think they've got any other choice. I really don't because I mean, you might then go down the line of, of clubs suing the league um, if they get a number of injuries and this, that and the other. And that's that's a road that the Premier League do not want to go down. So I think, yeah, I, I think it will favour the the better teams that have got, um, you know, a world-class subs bench. Um, it definitely, yeah, it will. It will. And I don't know whether they've taken that into account or not. Yeah, I mean, like you said, in case, I mean, hopefully no one has to catch the I mean, I really do hope that the players don't really catch the virus. And as far as I'm concerned, safety is the most important thing in all of this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody's wanting football back, yada, yada, yada. But I heard someone, I don't remember where it was, it was on the podcast, I think it was Touchline Frackers. I don't remember what, exactly what it was. But they were just talking about the financial consequences if the league actually does not resume. I think it's £800 million that goes down the drain. Like, can you give us more insight on what the financial consequences are if the Premier League does not resume during this period? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have figures like that, but I mean, mm. you, you've just got to look at the gate receipts um, for big clubs like Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea have got a small stadium in, compared to um, Tottenham and Man City and Man United, but that's 40,000 people who are paying, um, you know, on average 30, 40 pounds for a ticket. Um, mm. I have my calculator in front of me, but that is a lot of money, <laughs> and that's every Saturday. And then if there's week games as well, but you know, mm. they play at home every other week, and they still get um, cash coming from away games as well. That's a lot of money to be losing. Yeah. And I know, you know, going going behind closed doors is going to bring them in a lot more cash from um, television and things like that. But it's still going to be nowhere near what they will be getting from gate receipts. So. I think clubs have, it's really hit them hard, like how much this is going to financially affect them. That's why I touched upon earlier with the transfers. I think, I don't think we're going to see um, a transfer window like ever before. I, I really think that clubs are going to be chasing free agents rather than anything else. And it's a lot of clubs are going to struggle. Any, any clubs who are not financially stable are going to really struggle Um massively from not having gate receipts for i mean we don't know how long like it might we don't know you know they say that once there's a vaccine in place which should be the end of this year but we don't know when then they can start allowing um fans back in the stadiums but there's nothing you know there's nothing to say that that's definitely going to happen it could be deep into next year before fans are back in the stadium and that's going to hit clubs massively it really will so now that's that leads that leads on very nicely onto my next question, which is about the neutral venues that are being reported that we're going to be that all clubs are going to play in neutral venues. So before I get on to my more in-depth question about this, are you? Because I was trying to figure out if they're neutral venues, are they still going to be announced before the actual games? Because if that ends up happening, you could have people still drive down to the stadium and try and be like outside. You get what I mean? Because obviously people hear that Chelsea and let's say Tottenham are playing down to Brighton. That's what, how many hours? That's like an hour down mm. to Brighton from London, whatever it is. So are they going to have to, are they going to, is it, do they legally have to announce stadiums in order to, uh, like whenever matches come out or that's not going to be a necessary thing? Um, that's a good point. I, I think that because the Premier League are putting together this this big plan to the government this week, um, and I think they're going to have to cover things like that. I think they're going to have to keep the the neutral venues secret until the last minute because I know a hundred percent that the fans will go, like you said, they will go down to Brighton, they will go down to Bournemouth. It's not far away, and yeah. if yeah, if there's games, they're gonna they're gonna correlate somewhere and they're gonna get together. Yeah. Um, they're going to watch the game. 
Um, and it will be a massive problem. But I think the Premier League have foreseen that. That's the reason why they don't want to play uh, games home and away and they want to do it in neutral venues. I think they're going to keep these venues as a secret until the last minute. I really do. Mm. So, with that being said as well, because I want to ask you now, so do you think this, um, the fact that we'd have neutral venues negatively, would you think it would negatively affect like the smaller clubs or would it negatively affect anyone in the long term? Because obviously having people claim away and home advantage, but you could also say there are no fans, but could be like, you know your own stadium, you feel more at home. Do you think mm. it would negatively affect like the clubs in general? I think everyone's in the same boat. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got the argument that the places that the, the lower league clubs actually that have an amazing atmosphere, and they, they work as the um, the twelfth man um, stadium, mm. stadiums that I've been to like over the years have have just been absolutely unreal. I mean, Chelsea have a better yeah. away support than at home, to be honest. And I mean, I went to uh, Swindon a few years ago in the FA Cup, and literally we outsang them. It was amazing. So that. Wow. That perspective, the, the lower league teams are going to lose that advantage of the 12th man. So I can definitely understand and see where they're coming from when they complain about that kind of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone is now going to be in the same boat. Like, there's no 12th man for anyone. Um, there's no um, influence in the referee like the fans do. And any referee will tell you that it does play a, an, a, an effect. Massive part. Yeah. Um, so there's not going to be that aspect and yeah I think at the end of the day everyone's going to be in the same boat so and but like I said to you earlier that's the only way we're going to get football being played again so you've got to weigh up the pros and cons with that like they either want to play football again or they don't mm -hmm. fair enough fair enough so I mean I just want to ask you like um, to round off this whole thing I mean, you have said, like, you obviously are concerned with the safety of every all the players involved. I've mentioned, like, the older people that are involved, like, managers and carers and staff at the different stadiums. But I just want to ask, do you really see the Premier League resuming in the... Like, do you actually see it resuming and finishing as planned? Personally? Uh, yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I think it will because money talks, basically. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. there's too much at stake for it not to resume. And clubs know that, uh, the league know that, the television companies know that, and fans know that. It's, it's going to have to resume. Um, otherwise, we're probably going to lose a lot of big clubs. Um, I'm not talking, maybe not Premier League clubs, maybe some, but we're definitely going to lose a lot of League One, League Two clubs um, because they get, I mean, it's not just um, playing for the, you know, the TV rights, the, the clubs, um, a massive part of community. So, say for example, with Chelsea, um, you know they've got smaller clubs around them. They might play in League One or League Two, um, Luton Town, for example, way down there. But all those clubs rely on the the communities and the money that the bigger clubs bring in because it eventually gets fed down to them. So, mm. there's a much bigger scale here than just the Premier League clubs. And people think, oh, you know, Premier League clubs have got loads of money, but they, they all do so much for their communities that it's going to affect so many more people other than just the, the clubs. And that's a major thing. And I think that's the reason why, you know, many of them are so determined to get this, this season finished. And they're going to have to, if you know, from the financial aspect of things. Mm. Well said, Simon. Very well said. So 
Thank you so much for all of that. But I mean, just before we move on to like the next segment of the podcast, I just want to like clarify to all the users, all the listeners of this podcast. Most of these things that Simon has said, these are his opinions. Okay, I just yeah. need to make that very, very yeah. clear because <clears throat> Simon, more than anyone else, because I mean, I've gotten my fair share of hate on the platform as well. Simon probably gets a lot of hate for the stuff that he puts out, but these are his opinions. He's not saying that most of these things are facts, unless he explicitly did say it was a fact. So, yeah, that's pretty much that. So good now, job, to get job. on to the more interesting part of this episode, the thing about this podcast that I think I do better than anyone else is trying to get my guest on their toes, you know. So I have two very interesting parts for this, for Simon. Unfortunately, you can't see him, but he's smiling and looking at me like, what have you done, mate? I hope you don't fuck me over. But don't worry, I'm not going to fuck you over too badly. So I'm going to be asking you, this is something that's just become a part of the podcast at this point in time, and it's a key loan or sell with Chelsea's youth players okay. I'm also going to do it for the senior players as well so we're going to start off with the first one you need to answer this in uh, 10 seconds and then yeah. you explain why you chose them after that so you don't have time to think about it keep loan sell Reese James Mason Mount Tammy Abraham go um, Reese James keep um, Mason Mount keep Tammy Abraham keep you what? <laughs> All of them. People free. But if you had to, no, you have to keep one. You have to loan one out. And ah, you I'm with one. you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I have to, I have to keep one, loan and sell. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you now. So we start again. <laughs> God. Mason, Mark, Reese, James, Tammy, Abraham, go. Um, keep Reese, James, uh, loan, Mason, Mount, sell, Abraham. That's an interesting one. Why did you go with that? Um, because Reese James is the best player out of the three of them. Uh, Mason Mount mm. has the most potential, I think, or the, the highest ceiling out of him and Abraham. So I have no option then just to sell Abraham. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that was the youth version. This is the newer version we've come up with recently. This one is the senior player. So obviously I'm trying to see... Because this one, the thing about this keep loan sell is not obviously that you're, you're going to want to sell all three. I can tell you that from the very get go. So <laughs> I can give you like a fair idea of what's happening. But I'm going to ask you, anyways keep loan sell Marcus Alonso, Bakayoko, and Danny Drinkwater. Go. Keep Alonso. Um, wow. Loan. Loan Drinkwater, sell Bakayoko. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, why did you why did you go for keep Alonso? I'm very curious about that. Because he's got a goal for it. That's the only reason. And um, he's I wouldn't start him. Obviously, no, not in a million years. I would have him as a squad <laughs> player. Um, mm. bring, bring him on. You know, last last ten five minutes when we need to get a goal, bring him on. Um, push him up front. He's he's a real threat in the box. He's got a great finish. He's got a great left foot, and he's good in the air. So keep him. Mm. And then you decided to sell Bakayoko. Because because he can bring in the most amount of money over over drink water. I don't think we're you getting for drink water now. No, not at all. I think we'd be lucky to get five million for drink water now. So back here, so we could wow. probably yeah, we could probably get thirty odd million for him. So more fair money. enough, fair enough. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Last time I asked this question, they were just they said uh, they'd sell Alonso because they felt like uh, he would command the most amount of money out of the three, simply because Italy have a very interested. Oh, you don't think so? 
No, I don't think he will. I mean, he's, I mean, he's the oldest um, out of him and Bakayoko, so I don't think he would command a big fee. But I think Bakayoko will get more. Um, and, and like I said, Alonso um, can be a threat still, and he has been. He's proved that this season. Mm. 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. So. That's the first bit. So we obviously had the little chat before the actual start of the uh, episode and I told you that I pulled out one of your tweets from last year and you've been <laughs> wondering what on earth I pulled out. So yeah. I'll give you a date. It was January the 19th, 2019. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you, I just, I mean, obviously I'm not asking for a hundred percent in terms of context, but can you guess what we actually did manage to pull out? <laughs> no idea whatsoever. <laughs> you tweet so much that it's almost yeah. impossible for you to remember what this was. <laughs> but I'm not too sure what game this was, so there's not a lot of context. But I mean, I can't. The reason why I pulled this tweet out in particular is just because I want to get your opinion on how people actually talk about the fans. And from this tweet, we can all definitely tell you were absolutely like you were angry. So, <laughs> what did you say? Fucking pessimistic fans on this platform, full stop. Always finding shit to to moan about. Full stop. Oh, it's just pass, pass, pass. Jorginho is shit. Sorry, plays boring football. I'd rather win trophies. Blah, blah, fucking blah. So that's what Simon said on 19th of January in 2019. I don't remember that. I do not remember saying that. Don't worry. It's there. You can find it. But man... Obviously, is that just basically goes to tell you how um, reactive people are on this platform. So, what's your yeah. take on that football Twitter in general? That's what I wanted to pull from that. Usually, I'd get the guest to explain the tweet, but it's quite self-explanatory yeah. from the way you went about it. But what's your thought on football Twitter, like, in general? So, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. And obviously, I mean, that, that night, maybe, maybe I might have had um, half a pint of beer. So, that probably <laughs> influenced what I was saying. Um I should definitely keep off Twitter when I've had a, a drink or two. Um, but but no, I mean, your true feelings come out when you drink. That's what they say. So mm. I think it's just so frustrating when you, you go on there sometimes and, and no matter what, what, what people do, what players do, there's always someone there to criticise. Um, there's always someone there to put them down. Um, and it's the same. Like I've always said that if, if I tweet out that I'm giving away a million dollars to to someone for no reason whatsoever, there will always be that person who's going to criticise. And mm. it's just frustrating and it gets boring. And, I mean, a lot of people know that, that follow me on Twitter. So I don't read comments anymore for that reason. Yeah. It just, it, yeah, it, it does get me angry. And obviously that it came out in that in that tweet when I, when I wrote all mm. that. And, and it, yeah, people are just always so quick to judge and so reactionary on this platform. And it does frustrate me. It really does. I mean, everyone's got a right to show their emotions. Everyone's got a right to put out their opinions. But do it respectfully. I don't understand why you yeah. just cannot, you know, just accept someone else's opinion is different to yours. Um, accept that a young player is not always going to be um, balling every single game. Like Mason Mount, yeah. so much criticism this season. And you know he's he's not done anything wrong, and and Lampard picks him every game. He's he's Lampard's most picked player, so that says it all. Um, but yeah, it just yeah, obviously in that tweet, it, it all probably got on top of me, and and I decided to air it. 
Nah, nah, it's not even like me. I read the reason why I chose this tweet in particular is not see, trust me, Simon, when I tell you yeah, yeah. that people like Yannick and Matisse were absolutely on their knees when I pulled out the tweets that they put I pulled out yeah, from them yeah. were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> this is one of the light hours and this actually had meaning behind it, but I definitely do understand where I'm coming from with that, especially me as well. Because, I mean, I'm a black man, okay? And I've gotten a bit of racism on the time like myself. But the yeah. thing is, for me, I mean, I can't even begin to compare myself to you because you have what? You have like what? 30 times more followers than I do on the platform. And I already get so much nonsense in my comments yeah. from time to time that yeah. it's absolutely, it's, it's very ridiculous, you know? And also the fact that I run like a publication as well on the platform that we'll get to yeah. later. It's just one of those things where you have to, after a while, you just have to mute comments. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I used yeah. to leave the account DMs open before, but people come into my comments, call it. I'm never going to pass those words off on the podcast, but I do understand where you're coming from. And sometimes when you, like you said, when you have something to drink as well, your true feelings come out. And then yeah. I do respect that sometimes. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've seen my videos on the timeline before, but I have voiced my opinions very strongly yeah. before. And yeah, people yeah. know me as the guy that I don't like. If I your opinion, there are very few people who have opinions. I don't take people that don't have their faces on this platform seriously. Yeah, because yeah. if you don't have your face on, you need to be able to converse the way you would in real life. You can't yeah. be piping up to me if you can't, like, do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. just that's just, that's just my take on that. But yeah. Yeah. you guys can see we're all human beings all well, I've got to remind you guys and we're human beings behind these accounts and yeah, like yeah. Simon does Simon does news and everything and thing with news is this is why I because obviously I know some people on the platform that give me news but I don't tweet it because if you do that like you, you don't shoot the messenger is what I'm trying to get at yeah, don't yeah. shoot the messenger is exactly yeah. what I'm trying to get at but yeah speaking about all that Simon so we're going to be running the podcast very shortly but I just want to ask you some personal questions so okay. more about I want to ask you because I've been following your account for quite a long time on my private account my football Twitter account came up uh, last year and it's actually done really well thanks to everyone for that but I'm following your, your account for years now it's been what, four years on my private account? I always used to get all sorts of news. It's been a long time now. So I want to ask, how did you get into like media and journalism? Because I know you've done stuff in the past with the Chelsea Echo. I used to read. Mm -hmm. And then also now you do stuff with TalkSport and all those other people. So not TalkSport, Talk Chelsea, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, how did you get into this um, journalism and media stuff? Um, so it was a hobby. Um, I think back in 2012 was when I first joined Twitter. Um mm -hmm. And I worked for um, a guy who, who ran a blog called CFC Net. You probably okay. don't have any idea who they are. <laughs> <laughs> but Not yeah, he, yeah he, so he, like the guy, he kind of gave me, I think he's called Chelsea Independent now, actually. He's, he's got a new publication. But yeah, so he gave me just a platform to write my opinions. And that's all I did back then. Did that for about five, six, maybe seven years. Just wrote opinions on there um, just as a hobby. And then, um, yeah, I started growing from there, really. And my opinions, you know, picked up traction and debates on Twitter and got more followers from that. And and eventually, yeah, I, I grew and grew and got offered uh, a paid role, uh, a couple of paid roles, actually, from a few publications. And, and that's where I am now. But it's taken a long, long time, a long time mm. to grow. And, but it's just something I just used to do as, as an enjoyment. Like, I never saw it as a career. Um, mm. I saw that it started growing so much and I think, you know, why not try and make this into a career? It's something that I love doing. I love talking about Chelsea, yeah. I love writing about Chelsea. So let's make this a career that, you know, they always say that you should um, do a job that you absolutely love. Um, mm. So that's kind of where, you know, when I, when I made the transition, but 
I never had that aspiration to start with. It was always just a hobby, but it kind of yeah transitioned, and now now it's both. I like you know it's both. Because mm. I mean personally, I don't consider you to be like an FT account. So for example, you can have a look at. Uh, Matisse is an FT account, football yeah. Twitter account. I'm a football Twitter account, but people yeah. like Carefree, they aren't football Twitter accounts. So do you consider yourself, because obviously, like I said at the very beginning, which was all true, you do like um, journalism. I, con- I consider you a journalist, whether you consider yourself to be one or not. But I consider you to be a journalist. Everyone yeah. considers you to be a journalist. So that's what, yeah, that's the status you have. Now. So, yeah. I mean, it's just that you don't have the verification sign, but don't worry, yeah. soon come, soon yeah. come. But like I was saying, I don't consider you to be like a football Twitter account. What do you consider your account to be like as your personal account? Because like I said, you put out news, but you're also giving a really good mix of opinions as well. Because you know how to actually put out your opinions as well as give out news in a very well, like some people just don't know how to do that. I'm not going to name anybody to avoid any beef. But some people just don't know how to put out their opinions and put out news properly at the same time. So how do you, uh, like what do you consider yourself to be on this platform? So technically, because I get paid to write, I'm a professional writer. Um, yeah. But I, I don't. I, I class myself as a blogger, as a Chelsea blogger. Now, I mean, I've got. Mm, I've gone through okay. stages of um, calling myself different things. Like I did call myself a journalist a while ago. But I think um, deep down, um, I get paid to write, but I'm not a journalist. I don't think. I, I think I'm more of a blogger than a journalist. So that's that's yeah. That's how I refer to myself now as a Chelsea blogger. Well, I mean, I'm still going to call you a journalist, mate. I'm going to call you a journalist. But <laughs> I also just want to ask, because if you think about it, like when you write, so that's my next question for you, actually, because you always get a lot of different news and it always is usually very, very reliable. Because like, I mean, like I've said, things in the but you can report something and things tend to change very quickly. This yeah. is why I don't usually put up my, uh, whenever I get news from anybody, but how do you get all your information? Do you just do like a lot of research from reliable websites? Do you have like sources? I'm not asking you to expose your sources because yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a bit of a wild one still. Yeah, yeah. But you get where I'm coming from. So like, so, how do you um, get all your information to put out on your account? Yeah, so I, I obviously I'm, I'm constantly, constantly working. So I'm constantly researching. So when I see a story, um, I'll go and see where, where that story came from. Um, if it's got any legs and then see like how, how many other publications are reporting the same thing, this, that and the other. So first I'll generate my own opinion on it based on what I can hear from other sources. Um, but I do, I do have the luxury of being able to talk to, um, probably three, four, five people who, um, do have connections with Chelsea. Um, I mean, they never claim to be a hundred percent correct in what they find out, but but they feed it. They feed it back to me just out of um, politeness and the fact that I get on with them really well. Um, so if some if a story comes out, I will always check with all these guys and just say, you know, has this got any legs? And ask them questions. Ask them the right questions. And nine times out of ten, they might be like, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, mate. But um, but sometimes they do get fed information um, from being close, like closely connected with the club, and they will tell yeah. me things. I mean. I've got um, Joe Edwards and Jody Morris, the two uh, Lampard's two assistants. They both follow me on Twitter, and I do. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do occasionally talk to them. Um, obviously, it's not not a lot, and they won't reveal a lot. But I can I can quite often ask them things about injuries, um, or um, you know, if 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 they want, I'll give them a chance to shut a rumor down, and and they'll do that. Um, so 
Yeah, so it's, I wouldn't say that I have direct sources, and definitely Jody Morris doesn't tell me much, and neither does Joe Edwards, but mm. I can ask them questions and things, and they will they will reveal some some things. Mm. And like I said, I'm, I need to make a disclaimer at the start of this video. Like I said, take everything, Simon, with a grain of salt, because I've been on the end of uh, manipulation of comments, and I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to have thousands of people on your neck about something you said. So, yeah, yeah take all of this, or everything that Simon said with a grain of salt. So, before we go, I have one more question for you about yeah. your career and everything. So, what advice would you give to someone who's like an aspiring journalist or writer who wants to like get involved the way you have? Because obviously, a lot of people don't tend to see all the hard work. You've been on this platform mm -hmm. for what, almost a decade now, it's been eight years, and you're yeah. only just recently getting to like um, pay, getting paid from this and everything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would you give? Like, so I mean, for example, let before we even get to that, like for example, like the Chelsea Echo, what advice would you give people to, in order to get to where you are right now? Um. So the, the biggest thing is you, you need time and you need patience. I think you can't go into this thinking that you're going to get big um, within a year. I mean, the, the only people that I see get that big within that short space of time uh, are quite often um, tweeting things that aren't legit or um, yeah. uh, like really, um, I don't know, like out there rumours where they, they, they try yeah. and... They try and like you know speak about something where most people are just like that's ridiculous but they'll get a, a following from that so i wouldn't go down that road but i think the biggest thing is to get friendly with um the guys who you enjoy talking to on twitter um mm. there's a lot of them there really is in all the negativity there's a lot of good guys on twitter um mm. get friendly with them um Ask them to help you out and share your stuff, share your articles, ask them to read your articles, see where you can get better with them. Um, and just basically put the hard work in because it won't... I have a lot of people come to me and they say and they ask that question in DMs and, and I, I probably have the same copy and paste reply, which I say to all of them, like it won't happen overnight. Um, mm. it's, just, it's something that you've got to work on and it's something that you've got to believe in um but it's just it's it's about getting yourself out there getting your work out there but doing it um in a respectful way um, yeah like you say it took me a long long time to get where i am and i, I wasn't even trying to when i started to so but i mm. think if you've got something that you believe in that much that's brilliant and just just focus on that um don't you know don't try and get too big too quick yeah yeah, well said, man. Well said, man. Like I keep telling people as well. Like even with like I've only been here for like a year, but if you talk at the start of my podcast, I wasn't getting like a lot of views or anything. Listen, I'm never going to put the numbers out there because I'm absolutely atrocious. But okay. right now they have it has grown by twenty times. It's absolutely mental. So it's yeah, just yeah. about being patient, like you said. So yeah, that's pretty much that. Simon, thank sure. you so much for coming on the podcast. No I worries. really do appreciate it. I really, really do appreciate you coming on. But I mean, obviously, I mean, I like to do this for all my guests. I mean, you're, you're like, you don't need this from me, but like, Simon, what are you doing right now? Just let the listeners know what's happening with Simon Phillips at the moment so that they can uh, have an idea. So, um, well, actually, I mean, in terms of, of, of news, like I'm, I'm probably thinking about, I can't host a podcast because I'm not that kind of guy. Mm. But I'm thinking about mm. starting a, a podcast with a, with a host um, and doing stuff like this, like we've done today. 
Um, so that I think that's next on the agenda and, and trying to reach out with that. I don't know if I'm going to do YouTube or um, just mm. just a podcast, but that's that's my plan. That's definitely next on the agenda. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of what I do, I mean, you can find all my articles on um, talkchelsea.net or see it, uh, or chelsea.news.co. Um, that's where you can find all my work at the minute. Mm. Mm. Simon, thank you so much for coming on. You gave us so much information on this podcast, no and I really do appreciate it, man. So, listeners, I told you guys I was coming back fast, to back, like back to back to back to back bangers. We're here again with Simon Phillips. I am so gassed, you can't even begin to imagine. I wish you guys could see my face right now. Don't worry, sort something like that sooner. But thank you guys for getting to the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Watch out for the giveaway coming at FW6 Daily. Ooh, was I supposed to say that? If you got here, just hop onto the page and you shall see that. But thank you, Simon, once again for coming on. And no uh, we'll catch all of you in the next episode. Okay, bye-bye.